0: today's episode, I share two traps that you encounter in the entrepreneurial journey. These are things that I shared through the realm of my personal experience growing and selling a very successful staffing company. Now, I gave this talk to a group full of entrepreneurs and business owners who were mainly in two categories, either aspiring entrepreneurs or developed entrepreneurs that were trying to really establish themselves as a business owner to be able to actually grow their business further. So I talk about two traps that you have to overcome in this entrepreneurial journey, talk about how to overcome them. I talk about the qualities that you need to develop and grow and skill sets that you need as a business owner. And I talk about how to actually structure your business in a way where you can sell it. Devin gave a little bit of an introduction, but just to tell you a little bit about me, who I am. So I helped found and build, actually with Andy, a company, a staffing company called Chef on the Fly. And over the course of a couple of years, we were actually able to do about three point two million dollars in revenue, around fifteen percent net cash flow, uh, and coming out of that, we actually exited earlier this year. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the things that I learned throughout that process, and just lessons that were tough and came through challenges that I think involve other business owners. So what I do now is I help business owners that are in a position where they've decided that they would like to sell or become acquired at some point in the future, navigate the landscape of talking to brokers, talking to M&A advisory firms, and just in general, getting their plan together so that they can be prepared for a buyer. Now, the way that we were able to actually exit the company is that over the course of this time, Andy and I have kind of transitioned ourselves out of our roles to an extent, And because of this, we were actually able to step out when the company got acquired by a larger staffing company and actually move on to the next thing with a little bit of a payout we got started. Now, enough about me though, I wanna talk about why you all are here. So I think everyone's probably here because you have some entrepreneurial drive, and I think that's freaking awesome. I wanna talk about what kind of things you can do with that entrepreneurial drive to actually build something with it. too. So Andy talked about becoming an entrepreneur, I wanna talk about, I don't know what's happening with that. Man. There we go. Um, Andy you. talks about becoming an entrepreneur, but <laughs> so what is entrepreneurship anyway? I'm gonna give kind of my take on it. So we all know this guy, the, the guy with entrepreneur in his bio that's got like a million different companies. None of them are really doing anything, but he's an entrepreneur, right? He's a watch Or this guy. The guy that, Or this guy, the guy that thought of the iPhone five years before it came out and can't stop talking about it. But here's the thing, the market doesn't care. The market doesn't care if you thought of the iPhone in the stone age. You didn't build Apple, you didn't build a company around it, you didn't actually do anything. And the thing about entrepreneurship is that you have to take that inspiration that you have and you have to actually pair it with action to be able to get results. So today, I wanna talk about actually building because the goal of entrepreneurship is to build a company or companies that actually create impact and do something meaningful. And to build something, you gotta have the tools to do it. Now, as entrepreneurs, a lot of us are running from the everyday life. We wanna do a little bit more. We wanna actually build something cool and reach our ambitions in life. And for many of us, entrepreneurship is the red pill. It's the way out. It's what's behind door number two, And I'm here to tell you that you absolutely can have your cake and eat it too with entrepreneurship, but you have to do it right. You have to have the tools in order to do it right. So to me, entrepreneurship comes from the combination of three different qualities. It's the urge, the insatiable urge to create and design the life that you want for yourself, the optimism to believe that it's possible, and the drive to do what it takes to actually make it happen and show up every day. Many people get drawn to entrepreneurship because they might have seen pictures of someone on a yacht with models or on a private plane. They might have seen this guy on YouTube and they think that it's this sexy thing, it's awesome all the time. Or maybe they saw this guy. There's uh, some spoilers there, my bad. Or maybe they saw him then. <laughs> right, I'm gonna just switch to this. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Or maybe they saw this guy announcing all these new companies all the time and having these awesome showings, just living the kind of life that they think looks awesome. But the thing about entrepreneurship that you don't usually see is the tough stuff that's under the hood. And the reality is that entrepreneurship is not all sunshine and rainbows. There's actually a lot of tough things that go into it that usually aren't talked about. So I'm going to talk So if that doesn't sound cool, if you're kind of not sold on the idea of entrepreneurship anymore, now's your chance to get out before it gets too hard. But if you're still with me, keep going. So what it really is, it's really devoid of comfort. You're gonna be out of your comfort zone all the time. It's gonna be full of challenge, uncertainty, and isolation. You'll face challenges that feel insurmountable. You'll be pushed to your boundaries. You'll have to make choices that you actually don't know the answer to. And you'll face lots of loneliness. That's just the reality of it. If you're still with me though, I'm gonna get into it a little bit more. So when we're talking about building something, to build something, you need to have tools to build with. So the vehicle that entrepreneurship gives us, the, the vehicle that capital, the vehicle that capitalism gives us to do something with entrepreneurship, is business ownership. So I'm gonna talk about actually using business ownership. So I'm gonna tell you how to go from guy with entrepreneurs by a entrepreneur to actual full-fledged business owner. Now, along this journey, there's two traps that you're inevitably gonna encounter. One comes first, one comes after, and I'm gonna talk about how to beat them because you have to to really go through this whole journey. So entrepreneurs tend to see the world through a lens of opportunity, and with this comes just this continual plethora of ideas pouring out all the time. But here's the issue with this. When you have too many ideas, you just don't know where to go with them. If you try to do everything all at once, you do nothing well. So this is where the first trap comes in. I call this the bikini model on Instagram trap. You might know where I'm going with this, but I'm gonna tell a little story to illustrate this. So we're gonna talk about John and Dave. So, two recent high school graduates who have decided that they wanna make their way in the world of entrepreneurship. They wanna do it a little bit different. They've got really big ambitions. So, three months later, this is where the two of them are at. So, John has decided that through high school, he's done some work on a roofing company. He's got a neighbor who owns a roofing company. He's worked there for summers and a little bit all over the place. And he's like, you know what? I know a little bit about roofing. I'm gonna start a roofing company because my neighbor could do it. So why not him? Why not me? So he decides to get, convince a contractor to come and work for him, and his neighbor, recognizing the entre- entrepreneurial spirit, decides, you know what? I'm gonna give this guy my blessing. I'm gonna give him some tips to get started. I'm gonna tell him how I found my first clients and see if he can do the same. So Dave, on the other hand, decides to just take to the internet and find out how the latest and greatest entrepreneurs are making their way and see if he can carve out a path for himself. So he finds a video about how you can make $10,000 a month running a social media marketing agency. And he did do it, by the way. Um, So six months later, we're nine months in. Here's where the two of these guys are at. So John has completed two jobs as a contractor. He's got the one contractor helping him out. He's netted $8,000 so far in his ventures, and he's had some tough times. It took him a while to get off the ground, but he's having a little momentum. His mentor helped him stay the course. Dave has had some success as well, he's working with two clients. He's actually netted $10,000 working with his social media clients, but he's burning out because he's not making those $10,000 months that the internet promised him. So one night when he's managing a client's account, he sees a video about how you can make $50,000 Forex trading, and he says, you know what, The social media marketing agency thing is just really tough, and I'm not having the kind of momentum that I thought I could have. So I'm gonna try this instead. So he decides to invest and learn how to do it, and then three months later, we're now one year old. So this is where the two of these guys are at. So John has completed five more jobs. He's getting referrals from past clients. He's leveraging those referrals for more business. He's actually netted another $15,000 this week. Dave had some wins and some losses with the trading. It really didn't work out as well as he thought it would. And he's netted another 4 dollars So he decides against this too. He decides, you know what, this is not the thing. I'm going to try something else. So we're one year in, and John's at $23,000. Dave's at 14 dollars Now let's skip one more year later. We're now two years in. So Dave's tried a number of different things. He tried starting an Amazon FBA store, he tried drop shipping, he tried flipping things from garage sales online, all these different tactics to try to make money. So after two years after graduating, he's had lots of losses, but he's really been grinding. So he's actually been able to save up about $35,000. But he decides, you know what? Nothing's really worked out for me like I thought it would, and like the internet promised me. Entrepreneurship must not be for me. I'm gonna apply for college. Now, John kept reinvesting in and growing his business. He kept working with and meeting with his mentor. And he's now got three contractors helping him out. He's actually been able to get more referrals from past clients and really grow himself into the local community. So he saved up $70,000. Now, let's think for a second where these two guys are at. What is this going to look like five, more years down the road? If I had to bet on a horse, my guy is John. So here's what this is not about. It's not about college being the wrong choice it's not about roofing being the right choice it's not about any of dave's business ventures being the wrong answer either here's what it is about in entrepreneurship in entrepreneurship success requires momentum which requires time and it's about how the best jumping off point for entrepreneurship is your existing experience now Rule number one in entrepreneurship is use what you've got and everyone's got something. The way you figure this out, everyone here in the audience has at least one skill that you're better at than the average person, or at least one interest that interests you more than the average person. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the needs of the market. Now in that area in between, you find an intersection (laughs) where you can bring unique value in exchange for money, and that's where entrepreneurship lives. Now, why do I call it this? To me, business is like a romantic relationship. It starts with blind optimism, and eventually along the way, somewhere you encounter difficulty. That difficulty leaves you two choices. Choice number one is that you accept the hardship, you go through the challenge, you work through it, and on the other side of that, you find compounding rewards over time. You build a long-lasting partnership. Choice number two is you DM the Instagram model, you get the instant gratification, you build no momentum, and you reap no content rewards over time. So I want everyone to take out your phones for a second. Go to your favorite social media choice, whatever you spend the most time on. You don't have to tell your neighbor what, what it is that you're about to do, but I want you to find an account that maybe distracts you in some way. It doesn't have to be a literal Instagram model on, or model on Instagram but something that distracts you from your personal or professional goals. And I encourage you to just go ahead and unfollow. Why make it hard on yourself? Don't distract yourself. Just make it easy. So why does this happen to us as humans? We suffer from something called shiny object syndrome. We all get it. And this simply means that when things get difficult, there's something else that looks easier that could be just easier than what we're doing. and we kind of flock towards that and decide to move towards it because we think it's not gonna be as hard as what we're going through. We crave novelty as humans and especially as entrepreneurs. And your job as an aspiring business owner is to keep this in check. The way that I like to do this personally is by being able to readily identify and actually name it. And so I call mine the novelty monster. And your job as a business owner is to recognize this and have a relationship with it where you understand where it's coming from and how to shut it down. So watch out for that guy. So why is this crucial? Now, falling for this moment, or falling for this trap simply means that you will cease to create momentum with whatever you're working on. How do we beat this? Two things, we develop focus and discipline. So focus to me is simply the inner piece that you get from having direction and a plan for how to get there. We developed this by first starting small and then building on it by continually reminding ourselves that this thing is gonna take time, so we have to tough it out. And by surrounding ourselves with people who can reinforce that message on a regular basis. Now for me personally, Advice has always sunk in best and actually created the most action when I'm getting it from someone who's actually lived the advice, who's actually gone through it. So I say this to say, when you do surround yourself with those people, think about this and choose wisely. Choose your peers and mentors wisely or else it won't create much action. Now what is discipline? Discipline to me is the control that's gained by having rules and orders that you set and being pretty, pretty rigid with them just sticking to them and doing them, right? Now, you develop discipline by starting small and building on it, just like the focus, and by keeping promises to yourself and to others, and this builds momentum like anything else. So, at this point, we've escaped trap number one, and when you escape trap number one, that inevitably leads to trap number two. You don't really see trap number two until you escape trap number one. So we all know this guy or girl too, right? They're great at what they do. They make great money. They've probably been doing it a long time maybe they own a business around it. But their life is completely ruled by work. Maybe their wife or partner left them at some point because of it. Maybe their kids don't like them because they don't get to spend time with them. They can't delegate that tasks or build a team because they're stuck working in the business and not on the business. That whole cliche. Where does this come from? Entrepreneurs are typically the kind of people who have the belief that they're so driven and hardworking that they can make more money by working for themselves than others. And a lot of times they're right, but that comes with a lot of ego. So this is a real message that I got pretty recently on LinkedIn from someone, a business owner, who I was having a conversation with about selling their business, who said, you know what, my business is not actually sellable because the services that I offer are so unique that no one can possibly do what I do. And this is a trap. I think this is the biggest trap that business owners are facing right now. I call it the I'm a special snowflake trap. And it simply means being so tied up in your own ego that you don't think anyone could possibly do something as well as you do or even better. And this is completely false. All you have to do is think about some of the biggest businesses in the world and how they operate you think about Amazon, Apple, any other big business, they have lots of people working on all kinds of different things and the leaders focus almost exclusively on strategic direction of the company, not operations. They're not in the business, they're on the business. As obvious as this is, if you look around, business owners, especially small business owners, fail at this all the time. I like to think of this in terms of the grape and the watermelon slice. The grape is a business owner who has complete control over their business, every single little aspect, but they have a small grape. The watermelon slice is a business owner who's given up a little bit of control, right? They don't have the entire business under wraps at any given moment, but they have a slice of a watermelon and it's a lot bigger than So escaping this trap is simply going from super employee who does everything for the business all the time to business owner, where you're overseeing the business and actually trying to operate it. So how do we escape this trap, right? We need some skills for this. So talking about leadership, I want you to ask yourself the following questions. Am I persuasive? Do people come to me for advice? Do people tell me they learn things from me? Do I get people to move towards a goal? Do people respect my everyday actions? Do people look to me as a role model? Now, if your answers to these are a resounding yes to all, congrats on being perfect. You can give yourself a pat on the back. You probably don't even need to hear any more of this. If your answers to these are no, and if that makes you uncomfortable, then business ownership might not be right for you, or you might just need to do a little bit more work before you're ready. And it's important that you remember either of these is okay. If your answer to these is maybe, but you know these are things I could probably work on a little bit more, and you know what, I pretty much do try to put myself in a position to get better at these as often as I can, then you're part of a few select people who are, who are always gonna strive to be better leaders. And it's important that you remember that this quality alone, just striving to be a better leader all the time, is gonna take you further than any natural talent because you're always going to get better. I always like to remember Kobe Bryant when I think of this. He's known for having not been maybe the number one talent in his pool whenever he came in, but he was the guy showing up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., practicing like three times a day, way more than anyone else. And he was known for just catching this momentum that once he passed someone, they were never going to catch up because he was just going to move faster. So what is the job description of the good business owner? someone who gets people to operate on their behalf, continue doing so for a long time, continuously, helps them get better at it continuously, all in service of the mission of the business that they've given them. So here's three key lessons that I learned from first failing miserably at this, then getting a little bit better, and then eventually being able to retain and grow complete A player, chief operating officer, and chef on the fly who by the way, I credit for most of what went into the ability to even sell this business. Lesson number one, any idea could be better than yours, so you should hear them all and listen to them all and really give them away. This doesn't mean be a doormat, it doesn't mean take every single suggestion that you get, but it does mean that you should listen intently and think critically about them. And more importantly, remember that the people in the trenches, in the operations, have more information they have more information which can lead to better decision now being a business owner is not by any means about having all the answers a lot of times we don't have the answers and it's more about finding them and doing what it actually takes to grow the business at the end of the day it's about doing whatever it takes to grow the business if you don't adopt this mindset you miss out on innovation and a culture of transparency which are really important for growing a business Now, in order to do this, we have to detach from our egos. We have to get out of our own egos, get out of our own ways, so to speak. And the best way that I've found for doing this is practicing doing an actual pros and cons list of our idea versus someone else's. Doing so, I've found, just makes it more objective. You see it on a piece of paper, a literal pros and cons list, and you can see, wow, maybe my idea is not as good as this other person's, and maybe we should take this other idea. So lesson number two that I learned, retention over profit. Who's ever heard that if you don't treat them well, someone else will? This is true not only of romantic relationships, but also of business relationships. Retention 101 to me is taking an honest, genuine interest in your employees' lives, needs, and goals, and not ignoring or discouraging the sharing of this information or feedback. Now, I've encountered three C's of engagement that I think really go into being able to retain an employee the right way. The first one is consistency. You absolutely have to meet with them regularly. If you just train them and forget about it, you don't keep up the things that you need to be building on. Second one is caring, genuine interest in what they're trying to achieve. And then the third one is cultivating, actually giving them support for the goals that they're trying to reach. So once upon a time, when we were in Chef on the Fly, when we were growing it, our star employee, Adam, the chief operating officer I mentioned, one day came to me and he was just having a really tough time in this position. He was operating a lot of things, things were getting tough, and he said, you know what, I can't do this anymore, I quit. Now, this was a gut punch to me because I knew how important he was to the business. He was completely pivotal. pivotal, he was our Chief Operating Officer, and so I did the only thing I knew how to do. I said, where is this coming from? What's wrong? What happened? Is there a way I can make this right? And long story short, we were able to work it out. We were able to keep him on, and I learned what my role really was as a business owner this So here's some of the things that went into that conversation, and the things that I think went into retention along the way that ultimately allowed us to keep him. This happened through conversation. He would tell me something like, I want to grow fast in my career. I'm really motivated. And I would say, awesome. Let's talk about the duties and responsibilities that you can take on to grow the company and get you there and make you worthy of that role. Or he would say, I'm working a lot. I'm really having trouble prioritizing my health and I don't know what to do. This was an actual thing that we did. We actually came up with a corporate wellness program where the company bought him an Apple Watch and he would get bonuses and incentives for hitting different activity metrics or going on a walk or doing a workout. Or he would say, you know, I found this software that I think could really level up the game. I think it could make my job easier. And we talked about about me getting a promotion. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do the things to get there. My job isn't easy. So I said, schedule a demo call. Let's try it out. Let's see if it works. Or he would say, I'm having a tough time with this in my personal or professional life. And we would try to be a punching bag or a shoulder to cry on to get him through it because ultimately we knew that we needed him there. You have to have employees that are really great for your company or for us. Now, I don't say any of this to paint myself to be some kind of saint. I'm not. Ultimately, while Adam felt like family the entire time, he's a great friend, still is, and was. Ultimately, I just knew that this was the best thing for the business. You have to have good people in your business in order to grow. And it's important that you remember that if you select types of employees that do care in this way, that will actually share this information with you readily and want to give you feedback and share information, will swing way harder for your company. They'll do way more they'll get you three to 10 times or more the results of any other employees. So lesson number three that I learned, value building over money chasing. This is a really important thing. So this is an asset. Your business looks like this. It's essentially an asset full of assets. And these can appreciate or depreciate or grow or lose value over time. And they can also have a value assigned to them at the So businesses can do the same thing. They can grow or lose value, or have a value assigned to them, depending on the actions that you take as an owner and the collective value of all the assets in them. So which would you rather have? A bag with a couple little assets or a bag full of assets? One is a lot more effective. A well-built business is simply full of more, bigger, and better assets that are all working. Think about Amazon. It's full of different companies, all with their own collective assets. In other words, it looks like this. Now, your job as a business owner is to add assets into the business and increase the value. You need to do this by growing your skill set, by installing good people and systems into the business, and by firing yourself from as many roles as you can as quickly and efficiently as possible, while still maintaining what needs to happen in the business. Here's some examples of things that you can do. Imagine anything that you do currently in the business and how you can operationalize that. You can make it easy. You can make it easier to train someone new. That's the type of stuff that adds assets to their business. And while our sale was far from perfect, I think there's probably a lot that was left on the table, a lot left in transition, and it was a learning curve. The thing we were able to do is create some assets that were able to create a sale, including Some of these things, I think some of these things were the main things that went into us actually being able to solve this business. And so a smart and savvy buyer came and actually offered us money for this thing. We couldn't believe it at the time, but it actually happened. And it's because of the assets that we had in the business. So what should you take away from this? Building a business that's ready to be sold at any given time is just good business, and it's because makes the direction of the business easier for you and the employees it keeps the ship running smooth and it gives you the time and the freedom to pursue more in life this is important because to have consistency as a business owner you have to keep yourself in check so you have to give yourself that freedom now this is why i think that building with this in mind is just an ethical way to build a business it's more efficient and effective for the people involved, whether they be employees, stakeholders, customers. If you as the business owner fail, then everyone involved fails too. So to sum this all up, I'm gonna kind of wrap up everything that we've talked about. If there's anything that you liked, this is the time to take a picture. So we talked about the qualifications of an entrepreneur, having the urge to create the life that you want, having the optimism to believe that it's possible and having the drive to show up every day to make it happen. We talked about the two traps to avoid, the bikini model on Instagram trap and the I'm a special snowflake trap. We talked about how to beat them, with discipline and focus for the second, and ego dropping and leading for the second. And we talked about the role of the business owner, which is to add assets to the business and increase their value. It's pretty simple and the more you look through this lens, the more you'll see your business grow and flourish. And we talked about why any of that is important in the first place. It's simply, in my opinion, the most profitable, most scalable, and most ethical way to grow a business. Now, that's been it for me. If you want to keep up with me, I post content about this kind of thing and talk about it and my experiences. You can follow me on Instagram at brodybenson.io. but that's it for me, and I'm gonna give the stage to Devin to introduce our next awesome speaker, great friend and mentor of mine, Steve Strong. Thank you.